Welcome to the Sean Boy Podcast. Okay, real quick before we get started here, I'm going to do a couple of shout outs to locals in town here around where I'm at, building our small community here in Corbin. Uh, first one is uh, Ellie Woods. She's a, of a podcast called Eden Seed, a Christian, very much in line with Jesus and the Holy Ghost, and she talks from her spirit, and I listen to every one of them. They're great, and they will help you if you just listen. And then, of course, we're moving on. To uh, Bill Spray, he is uh, the owner and entrepreneur of CZ Customs. Custom drums built to your order to what you want as a drummer. You look that money up in your social media, I swear you'll see drums of uh, heavenly creation. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's that's how I'm going to say it. Uh, then we move on to my buddy, uh, good buddy, West Weeze. He has Ready Go Entertainment, which I will probably be seeking his influences soon rather than later on uh, recording and uh, getting my music on some digital yeah I need to record and uh, I'm gonna probably choose his studio to do it in so alright here we are let's continue Welcome. Do you have uniitis of the ear? If you do, well, look no further, fellow searcher and sage, it is I, the Unitech. Again, another installment, episode 31 of the Shine Boy cast. Yesterday it is a uh, quite cold unicorns. I suggest wool linen and a cup of unicorn tea before you walk out your door. May you be warm. As I express my love of the holidays, yes, Merry Christmas. Anyone that got a unicorn toy or any related unicorn presents, uh, well, you're welcome. Uh, I ended up bitch smacking that old Santa for their uni presents. I thought that that was more my department than his. But anyway, on today's Sean Boy Cast, got a great show for you today. First up, uh, your hear the joke section here in a minute. Uh, today I got Colin Quinn talking all about his red state, blue state from his special that he had. Got a couple of clips there. It's, I think he explains perfectly the, the mindset of America today and how we look at things. And it, I think it exposes exactly what America is. Kind of like how South Park does the same thing. But in this case, Colin Quinn's going to do it for you. And then we're on to Sean's live and local sounds. Uh, I have like 12 songs I'm putting out. Two of them are brand new. They're the first two songs I play. And I got a couple, like three covers in there. And the rest of them are all originals. So jam-packed like a whole hour of music. Then we go on to current events. And this is Sean's ongoing book saga part two. Last week I did part one and two. This week I'm doing part three and four of chapter one. And uh, I get into that and something called the 
four quads of reality that I call it, but it's really Ken Wilber's uh, work, and I go into that a little bit. Very interesting, what I'm finding there. Um, and then it's on to my personal take, and that's a little car ride, a little bit different for the podcast this time. I did a car ride over to my sister's house to go visit and things, and I decided to do my personal take on that particular trip. I've entitled it Finding Who Am I. So, join me on the podcast today as we drive through all this stuff. Hopefully you like the music you hear. It's a very intimate setting. And, uh, yeah, down-home country cooking episode here. So, uh, with that, here's here's the setup for Colin Quinn. I believe Colin Quinn is a staple to American comedy, especially in the political and historical realm. And uh, I really love his uh, New Yorkish take on his comedy and the way he presents himself, or just that way naturally. I love everything about how he presents it. I think he's probably one of the few sources that you could go to to get like a real New Yorker's opinion on things. And with that, here's Colin Quinn from some clips from his Red State, Blue State uh, special. And uh, I highly recommend that special that everybody watch it. It is exactly what I think about the current political system in America. We started out with 13 colonies. We became 50 states. What's wrong with 13 colonies? 13 seems like plenty. We were already bigger than England and France put together, but we got greedy. We couldn't take the hint from God. God put mountain ranges, rivers, like to indicate those are different countries. The Grand Tetons, the Mississippi, the Rockies, natural borders. Europe knew. Europe's the same size as us, made a bunch of different countries. Because they understood every 700 miles, people have a different personality. Do you think Hungary and Scotland have less in common than Utah and New Jersey? John Adams said the two-party system is the greatest political evil under our Constitution. George Washington cautioned in his farewell address against excessive political party spirits and geographical distinction. Wise words. They tell us what to do about it. They did not. They just said it. And they died. Now they left us to figure it out. Real geniuses. America. Two parties. Still, all these years later, two parties. There's 350 million people, and there's two parties. There's 15 genders, and there's two parties. There's four bathrooms and there's two parties. Remember when the internet started? We were all positive soccer moms. Everybody's posting pictures of unicorns, sunsets, rainbows, inspirational quotes. Make yesterday, today's tomorrow. Yeah, it's corny, but look at it now. 
Stay in your lane. Keep my name out of your mouth. Die in a fire. And I'm old, you know. I grew up offline. And in those days, if you wanted to have a political debate with somebody, you couldn't do it in your underwear. You had to get dressed, go down to the local bar, pick up the newspaper, find somebody you knew disagree with you politically. You'd be like, you like this, don't you? And he goes, a matter of fact, I do. What's your problem? And then you have a debate when it was friends, family, people you knew from the neighborhood. So the bar itself was Facebook. And Twitter was all the strangers doing coke in the bathroom together. Speaking in short bursts of under 280 characters. Paranoid, like, yeah, why are you following me, huh? Trying to send me a message? I'll block you. Reddit was the regulars at the bar that were there too often, so they noticed things no one should ever notice. Just watching all the time. Did you change the taps on the IPA? Okay, that's enough, Eddie. And the troll was the guy in the corner asleep who just lifted his head up every three hours and go, everybody here can kiss my ass. Like, all right. And now we're at risk of a civil war. And you don't want to see a civil war in this country. This country is not built for another civil war. It's going to be the first time in history that you see fat refugees. <laughs> That's not going to be a good look. <laughs> Refugees in jorts and flip-flops and Dunder Mifflin t-shirts. Pulling coolers towards the Canadian border. It's going to look like a giant cattle drive. There's nothing glamorous 50 years from now. Kids are in history class reading about the Battle of Six Flags. The Siege of Dave and Busters. The problem with war, it makes idiocy contagious. You wind up with mass hysteria, like this country right now. Half this country swears there's a Muslim invasion right now, and the other half swears there's a Nazi invasion. That's why this country is built on compromise, because the Founding Fathers understood most people are mentally ill. <laughs>
Separate the wheat from 
afraid of speaking, but you're still not listening. You feel so Yeah, we die. 
when's this time around? Someday the world's gonna rid us of a moldy way. And summer fades, and winter's right round all the corners. And sometimes I fantasize about being so lost in the corner of it all. And we'll all be long gone. this time around Someday the world gonna rid us of remote way
just wait for the tides to turn till I learn to leave my past behind. It's only lies that I'm living. It's only tears that I'm crying. It's only are empty and the moon is laying low yellow roses and graveyard have no time to watch them
chatty and hell Oh, and excessive in thought And all that condemnation Will it is not liberate You search comforts that are easy for you Can't bear the friction and fear kicks in Your fantasies are malevolent and your money, well, it has no sense of wealth. Man's mind is a thin thread, following all the great yarn ball And forms to fill out all your endless automated ways. Never seek the suffering within you, and real comfort eludes you. It's same jazz with new makeup, still living off. Your bad routine. Well, do you ever get busy running in all those circles? Observe tragedy and learn how it works. Close off your thoughts and heal your life. You barely see your own darkness. With some work, you'll feel your light. Unconscious shadow of your inner. Closet is danger, unaware of yourself. You haven't been raised like yourself. You live in illusion like it's real.
Welcome to Sean's Ongoing Book Saga Part 2 here on Current Events. Why am I writing a book? It has occurred to me that man doesn't have every gift that is needed in his personal development. So I'm writing a book that maps out human aspects of life probably known or unknown to you. It's a book a human can look to to find all the states of being and beyond science to find such things. Today I read two more parts from chapter one, parts three and four. Part three is a flower and four real realities. Part four is your ain't in life. First, we will start off with a flower and four realities, part three of chapter one. But first, a brief overview of Ken Wilber's work and why I chose his work as an outline for my book. Ken Wilber's integral theory is a meta-theory, a theory of theories. Ken attempts to draw from many fields of knowledge and sources of wisdoms as possible. And his four quads of reality are very real and important. It's included in my work. I think Ken's four all-qual model, all lines, development uh, should be taught in schools. This single matrix can view viewed from uh, the point that you're coming from has many realities and perspectives that I don't think many people are aware of and that's what we're going to go over here in current events. It's a matrix of diverse perspectives to see how they all fit in relation to each other. It's a template for personal practice. Start off here, uh, just a little bit further background than before we get into the matrix itself. And I got a little clip that Ken Wilber is going to talk about here in a little bit. It's about eight and a half minutes long, but it's worth every second of what he's saying. Uh, 
it is important we go over holons and hierarchies at this point. A holon is something that transcends and includes itself and its subcomponents as a living whole. Jupiter has nothing to do with the Andromeda galaxy, but they are holons of many holons, and everything in existence is all really just one thing, a happening, an act, your earthly life. So a holon, it is a whole and a part, and the part of something larger whole. The universe is not made up of things or processes. The universe is made up of holons. Holons exhibit a quality of self-emergence. As evolution happens, you see a process of transcendent include, or a nested holon. What I mean by transcend include is, is a present in the language. Like you can find holons in the lang in language in English language. Like a letter is all all the letters in in the words used in the paragraph to the book. All those letters are way more than all the words that's in it. And there's way and there's way more words than there are paragraphs. So that's what kind of transcendent include means. In this example, the letter components transcendent include the previous ones. There's also something to consider called depth and span when looking at it more closely. You can think of depth as a vertical and span as a horizontal. So vertical depth and horizontal span. The more depth, the less span and vice versa. There's more letters than words, more words than its paragraph, etc., etc. So there's span and depths to these things and different lines of levels and all that. And uh, just as a quick overview of hierarchies, there are domination hierarchies, like the Nazi party in Nazi Germany, and there's actualization hierarchies, inherent, become aware of. And a holearchy is a nested hierarchy of holons. So this is some important background there before we get talking about the matrix or the four quadrants. But first, let's look at a flower. Let's say you have a flower in front of you. First, you give it a name. You call it a red rose. At first, observing it, you notice its beauty. Intrigued by it, you want to know more. This is when you start using dissection of the plant to learn all its chemical makeup. You give all its elements names, weigh and measure its makeup, but still yet you cannot tell me about its soul and spirit. Even worse, how do you know you're not a murderer of pretty red roses? There is no guarantee you will ever get what you're seeking. Because once that's done, then what? When is your search ever over? I'm sure the flower knows its true nature. Somehow I believe humans do not. Using your intelligence is not always the best way of understanding something fully. Sometimes 
were destroyers of pretty red roses only. You must flower like the rose to its fullest natural way of existing. So now that we have a little background, I'm going to play a eight minute or so clip of Ken Wilber explaining the four quadrants. Because this is a audio only, audio only podcast, I want you to imagine four boxes at your feet, two boxes at the top on the floor, and two boxes on the bottom on the floor. The two, the bottom of these two use this, uh, for this uh, clip coming up, just use this visualization in your mind as he explains. The top two boxes are the individual interior on the left and the individual exterior on the right, the top two boxes. The bottom boxes are the interior collective on the left and the exterior collective on the right. And these are all the collectives. The top two boxes are one, individual, I. The ones on the bottom are the collective, we, or social systems. So the upper left is the individual I, the upper right is the exterior it, the lower left is the interpersonal as culture or we, and the lower right is the system social systems or its. And with all that, here's Ken to explain it. In the um, books that you have, there's always someplace in the cover we can see these four different quadrants and we can see the interior of the individual and the exterior of the individual and we can see the interior of these collectives and we can see the form the exterior form that these collectives take and so that was a um, major breakthrough for me. And it um, signaled something that has just subsequently had more and more and more importance. And that is that each moment as it comes to be, what Alfred North Whitehead called a drop of experience, comes to be in at least these four dimensions. There's an interior and an exterior and an individual and a collective. And these tend to be the structure of moment-to-moment existence. And whether you want to use it in a strong way and say this is an actual sort of metaphysical structure of reality or whether you want to use it in a softer way and say well maybe maybe not but it's a fantastic heuristic device it's a fantastic indexing system because without almost any exceptions you can go to a human discipline and you'll find that it's divided into either left-hand path, the right-hand path divisions, or upper and lower path divisions, 
or it's stuck on one quadrant and denies reality to the other quadrants. But there are other sub-disciplines in that same group, and they will claim reality to one of these other quadrants. So it became really clear to me that these dimensions um, not only has some reality to them, but you could particularly tell that they had reality to them because they were the constant foundation of interminable warfare between uh, the different sub-disciplines in virtually every human discipline we have. You can go to theology, and you can go to law, you can go to education, you can go to politics, and you will find a substantial school that says only the right-hand exterior forms, material forms, are real, and the interiors are all epiphenomena or unreal or can't be measured, they're black box, we don't pay any attention to those. And that same discipline will have those who say, wait a minute, the interior black box is the major reality, and the exterior is just, you know, secondary. It's not that important at all. So, this gave me a way to, at the very least, index most of the world's human disciplines. And I could see even, for example, going back to my own books, that each one of my books had focused on one of the quadrants. Um, because it's just, it's the natural thing to do. These quadrants are very real, they're very much there, and they grab your attention. And so powerful are they that they make you want to give a, you know, a simple parsimonious account of reality by just reducing everything to one of these quadrants. Um, and I'll come back to levels and lines, states and types, but the quadrants alone are, were enough to show you that there was something really profound going on here. And the conclusion I reached is that what was profound is that these four quadrants were actual dimensions of reality, but that they were ones that were often and easily overlooked as individuals focused in on just one of them and made that real. So if you look at the upper left quadrant, which is the interior of the individual, then the pronouns used most often, that's another thing incidentally, each of these quadrants have pronouns that have evolved over the years to refer to them. So that lends extra credence to the fact that these are real dimensions because language has evolved words to refer to them and to take care of them and to have meaning for them. So if you look in the, in the upper left, the pronouns are I, we, me, mine, plural, we, us, so on. Um, 
the lower left is, um, well, the upper left is often first person, the person who is speaking. So that's why it's I, me, mine. The second person is the person spoken to. So that tends to be the lower left. And so that's a great a thou or an other or a you or a you guys or a you all. Uh, you're the ones that I'm talking to. The right-hand quadrants are ones that are objective and have as their validity claims the belief in a standard objective truth. And so the pronouns there are um, third person is the person being spoken about. It's the thing or person being spoken about. And so you have um, him, her, they, them, etc. All kind of summarized in a big neutral it. And it is the language that science works with. So finding these quadrants um, was a really, really profound orientation for me. And as I started to say, I could see that my books themselves had largely fallen into one of these quadrants. So Atman Project and and uh, Spectrum of Consciousness had fallen into the upper left. Um, up from Eden was lower left. Uh, Sociable God was looking at the sociology, the lower rightness of religion, and so on. Um, so all of that gave me a lot of uh, impetus to move forward. And so finally, after that sort of year, uh, year and a half, logjam, uh, I was up and writing again. And that was Ken Wilber there describing the four quadrants. Uh, depending on what perspective you come from when using it, it can help you in everyday life if you really look at it and understand it. This matrix is a real fundamental understanding to us humans. It should be studied, and businesses are actually using this and uh, seeing great potentials in using it. So there are four quads, and that is all on that part of it. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move on to the part four, which I've entitled Your Aim in Life for Chapter One. Chapter 1, Part 4 Your Aim in Life You are a pebble among pebbles, and being in, born into a very strange but exciting time. In the course of human history, today's current has come to a point that is going to give rise to a wave of change. You will hear of the time before humans and the ancient times like Egypt all the way up into the industrial age, all the way to here where you can have a personal computer on your person and in your pocket. You will always be fed information and have to know your own limits, but be free enough to have no limits. 
Humans are easily influenced by a combination of perceptions and realities. The actual present, memory, and conditions are all stored in memory. You have space enough in your head, in your brain, to store 150 people on your brain's hard drive. Once you reach over 151, someone's getting kicked out of your memory. There is an estimated 7.8 billion people on the planet. So choose wisely. There's a lot of possibilities, good and bad. Humans have a tendency to seek comfort. This is only important when needed from important work. Comfort is a recovery tool for humans. If you seek comfort all the time, you don't learn suffering. The suffering is not to be missed in human experience. You encounter suffering. It's your reaction that is the cause of more suffering or less, or none at all. Suffering is an inherent way of nature in your being. We decay all the way to death. This is not to say that suffering gives us real learning, real change. This gives us contemplation in this world. You must know the negative to know the path to the positives. If you can't find a positive path, say I do not know. To learn, you must investigate every thread of evidence and you must also investigate this within yourself with no bias to any aspect of life. To say I don't know is the key to knowing. Rather it be a partial type truth some is right, but not all of it, or most of it is right, we are sure this might be true, or ultimate truth, knowing all of something totally. You must always trust your mind over any others, but be open enough to understand any word spoken and evaluate it evenly. Never let pointless things get in the way of your aim in life. And that thing that is in tune with nature should be carried out. You were born into a particular body with family memories you wear on your face from billions of years of memory. The underlying structure of your aim is nature. Nature is one clue to being human and following it will teach you more than you realize at this point maybe. It is a healthy thing to be close with the natural world. The ideal of a movie called Superman shows a human form man that is an alien flying in the air. Superman gets his power from our bright star, the sun. This is not true in human reality. A man or alien cannot fly, but the physics was not given to us by biological means. Superman is a powerful due to his out-of-place environment, seeing how his planet was destroyed and all. Superman is a mythological truth and a real reality, though 
we are Superman as a collective because our ability to dream, we have built our own vision of a flying man. It's called a plane. The bird is flying but cannot reflect on its environment the way we do. Guess what most people hate flying in? Planes, due to their fondness for comfort. Welcome to Sean's My Personal Take, live as I'm talking it, in my car, on my way to my sister's, to visit. Um, she's a traveling nurse. She has a beautiful little kid named Zoe that just loves unicorns. Well, I admire that in a child because I like unicorns. But anywho, I am getting ready to do a talk here. I figured I'd try something different. little drive and talk. And, you know, it's a long ride, so I figured I'd do my personal take on the trip here. So, on today's My Personal Take going to be going over finding who am I and that is exactly as it implies who am I this is a phrase that I have uttered to myself in my inner eye self where meaning I don't share it with other people nor can I share it with other people because it is the inner you the you that nobody can hear, the you that really can't even have words to talk to you, but it has like, I guess you could say, if you listen, gives you hints at what it might be. That's the best way I can describe it. it. It's, you observe yourself without words and language and usually this brings on an authenticity of my own makeup and then it is revealed of what that may be so that's what i mean by finding who am i when i was really young about five or six years old we all grow up in different environments and places in the world And where I grew up, came into this world, was definitely of a strange nature. You know, not the best childhood upbringing, but probably not the worst either. Although, we came close. (laughs) Me and my sister here going to visit, brother, uh, love them very much. But, uh, you know... It's really hard to pinpoint exactly who the fuck you are sometimes because everybody else is telling you who you are. The news tells you who you are. Your entertainment tells you who you are. All the identities you have fucking signed to yourself tell you who you are. And I'm here to tell you that you don't know who the hell you are. I know this because I don't know who the hell I am. So, you know, please explain to me who you are in three sentences. And I can quickly show you how that's all false. So 
Sorry for the Radley cam here. That happens though. <laughs> but as I was saying there, I was five or six years old and a traumatic event happened to me. And it was of my own doing. And it was one of life's first lessons for me. That was one of the first times that I was rudely awakened to that. I have an effect on things. And when you have that at a young age, especially the way I did it, um, it stays with you. And uh, in a way, it kind of molded what I've become and what I've realized since and done in my life. Like, what I'm trying to get at is who am I is almost every damn thing that you've ever come in contact with or done in a way that is either conscious or unconscious to you and they all have an effect on what you end up doing whether you like it or not and so here's one thing that happened to me when I was like I think I was probably six maybe seven I don't think it was quite five. I think I was like six or seven. But one day I'm walking around my yard. That was the extent of my world, the yard, brothers and sisters. Not in the best home to grow up in. Like there was some very devious things happening in my home. Uh, Also not too bad, but mostly neglectful things. And we all got put in foster care and all that. But it's another story. So here I am. I'm outside looking around in the yard. And I see this cat. That I... It's like almost like a... Getting out of the kitten stage into the I'm a cat stage. Of a cat. And it was brown and had some little speckled things on it. And I liked the way it looked. And I was intrigued by it. Because everything out in the my front lawn and back lawn and in the woods around my old house all intrigued me because we didn't have TV we didn't even have running water like we had to use well water put water in a fucking tub and use that to bathe in <laughs> at one point uh, but I love this cat so I was like I'm going to keep this cat and The dangers of growing up in a place where you're not told about science or physics or, you know, rarely gotten food for, you know, to eat properly. Um, Yeah, there's just no learning some things in that kind of environment. So, didn't have any control over that, but can't help where you're born. So, you'll just deal with whoever you are in whatever situation you're in. And that's called accepting life. But, uh, so I take this cat and I put it on top of a doghouse with a brick on top of the doghouse. The doghouse is pretty uh, wide and like it had a lot of room on top of it. So what does little seven-year-old Sean without a brain, barely even functioning at a logical level, you know, due to circumstances... Sean takes and gets a rope that is too short 
puts it around the cat's neck, puts the other thing around the brick and ties it. And I go inside for a minute and then I come back outside and my cat is hanging off of the doghouse and it hung itself because I did not understand the rope was too short and I also did not understand what gravity really was until that moment. You know, what's his name had the apple and the tree and shit. Uh, I had the cat in the doghouse for how I learned uh, the pull of gravity, you know. So the moral of the story here is I no longer beat myself up for doing that. But man, when that happened, there was many times that I felt really sad about what I'd done. And that might have been the start of, like, some of the insecurities and problems I've had in my life, things since, blah, 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 you know, some, this is, the speaker is telling a story of many other people's problems that they've had in their life, so, you know, you can relate to some of it, I guess. But, you know, who am I is a question you should always ask yourself. And I'm so glad that I did. I was pretty hard on myself growing up just because of that one event. And then other things compounded on top of that, you know, various things. And it's like you're fed fucking information on a level that you're unaware that even exists. Do you understand that you have five inputs going on simultaneously and nobody's telling you how to fucking really use them? Now, they're inherent. You'll figure it out. You know, baby starts getting up on its knees, crawling around. What's it? I can walk. And then finally, one day it starts walking. These are inherent in us. Now, it would be much easier if there was a program that you could put a kid through to making it an adult unfortunately that program is us is one another like what I tell a kid is my responsibility is everyone's responsibility because they are you in miniature form and they will be you one day and the question of who am I always stuck in my head because I couldn't tell who was at the controls most of the time. Is pissed off, angry Sean the one that's supposed to be in charge? Is calm, collected Sean the one that's always supposed to be in charge? Is, oh shit, I gotta fucking move real quick and do this or I'm dead? Which one am I? Am I all of those things? Am I the words that fucking people gave me? Am I the memory of the images that are stored in my memory? Should I even use memory to define who I am? These are the things and what you can do to find out who am I. And let me tell you, in my experience, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, nobody knows who they are because there ain't no words or language to tell you who the fuck you are. I believe that 100%. And I do believe you are what you tell yourself. 
if you're an addict and you like taking drugs and doing things and you do it over and over, it's because you know exactly what you're doing. You're stuck in your little routine and you're going to do it either till you die or you go to rehab, spend some probably months or years and that kind of deal to get yourself out of the big uh, cluster fuck that you're in on that. But, you know, you can go to the grave or you can go to the fucking hospital and get some fucking help. Whatever you want to do, though. Up to you. And that's what it's always been. It's always been up to us. But how well do we look at one of our ourselves? How well do we look at ourselves and go, yeah, that's who I am for sure. I am unwilling to say that about myself anymore. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I don't know. Like, if I don't know something in particular, and I don't know it for a fact to be true, I will not speak on it and say, I don't know. And also, the word I don't know is the greatest possibility of all time. Because right there within the fucking thing tells you what you need to do next. I don't know. Go find out. And if you can't find out, find the closest answer to the possibility of what could be right. You know, like evolutionary biology. Like that. Like you should comb through it that thick. And like science and what your mom and daddy told you are not always going to tell you exactly what the hell you're trying to look for or what you're trying to do. You know, there's probably somebody right now that's just dreaming and dying of being a uh, musician or whatever they want to be. All right, you're dying to do that. And there your lovely parents are. And they're telling you to do this, that, and be this or that, be this way or that way. What's well, like, whatever happened to listening to your own head and saying fuck all that and really following what's going on in your antenna and what you're receiving. You know, you know what, you know, it'd be neat if everybody got to do exactly what they know and could attain with a clear mind and unbiased approach to one's own self, you could become something of your best self. It would come out because you would do the hard work and attain full nirvana of your uh, Christ incarnate body or, you know, your Allah of all or whatever your domination is or whatever your sect or religion. You know, I believe that everybody can get there through whatever means that they want. But one thing that you have to do is you got to look at stuff and go, is this bullshit or not? And I can't say that every religion is bullshit. Matter of fact, I believe most religions have it right. There's a place you want to go to after you die because you're afraid of being nothing. I get it. Scary thing. One day you're going to be on a fucking bed and you're going to blink out of existence. Or so you think. Like, here's one thing I keep bringing up in the podcast, and I think it's a good saying because it's a koan from Zen Buddhism. And that is, 
Who were you before your mother and father were born? I know for some people, like atheists, they're going to be like, you were nothing. What is nothing? What is that? What were you then? You wasn't anything because your conscious mind wasn't there. Exactly. Your conscious mind, your logical thinking, all that bullshit was gone. So what does it mean whenever you can't use language in your thinking brain that wonderful piece of universe on top of your fucking head? Who were you before that developed? Before your mother and father even were per perceived to be in existence? From my own personal opinion and personal experience... I can very much tell you that this is a real fucking reality. You know, when people can turn off their brains and they go into meditation states, that's not just a figment of their imagination. That's a real provable thing. There's been enough people attained to a spiritual higher self to where this is some real shit. Not any fake about it. Who you were before your mother and father born is still the person you are right now. Still the person you were 10 years ago. It was the person you are 10 minutes ago. What was there whenever you were eating ice cream cone? Ever-present awareness. What was there when you were taking a shit in your toilet? Ever-present awareness. That's the I. That's you. Well... I hope you've enjoyed my personal take, and I thought that would probably be uh, important for some people, and I hope it helped. But thank you for listening to Sean Boycats. Hope you liked the music and the Colin Quinn bit there at the beginning. I thought that was relevant and hilarious. Uh, but y'all have a good day, and uh, toodaloo.